Listen and stream the all-new talk radio, Freedom 106.5, for the only talk that matter. Welcome and good afternoon. It is uh, 11 minutes after 12 o'clock, uh, Freedom 106.5 FM. Um, Bass is a bit late, so I'll hold on for him until he gets here. And, of course, we've got a special program on a Thursday afternoon, Diabetes and You. We've got a president of the Diabetes Association of Trinidad and Tobago, Andrew Danu, on with us. He's, of course, the president serving in the second term and various roles over the past eight years with the association. He's director of Trans-Tobago NCD Alliance and serves on the Ministry of Health's Food Advisory Committee. Part-time lecturer on biochemistry at the University of the West Indies and a doctoral candidate pursuing clinical biochemistry as well. Good afternoon, Andrew. How are you today? Hi, Govin. Good afternoon. I'm, I'm good. I'm good, actually. How are you doing? All right. I'm fine. Fine. So we, we would have had um, some updates and so on from the press conference there from the Prime Minister on COVID-19. What's taking place with the association uh, at this point? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, uh, most of the country was listening in a while ago. And uh, we just want to, to echo the sentiments of the staff and, and, and the team and the Ministry of Health, specifically poor persons with diabetes. You realize that uh, Dr. Parashram would have said that the number one comorbidity is really people who have diabetes, people who have diabetes, people who have hypertension, people who are um, elderly. And those are the persons who we are encouraging to, if you haven't as yet gotten your COVID vaccine, get it. It's available. They'll be at the malls all around the country. I'll actually be at uh, West Mall tomorrow and they'll be launching at West Mall tomorrow doing vaccinations together with the flu shot. Um, so if you haven't gotten your flu shot, if you haven't gotten your COVID-19 vaccine as yet or your COVID-19 booster, then this is the opportunity to go. Um, they will be in the weekends, all of the malls and of course all of the health centers have the vaccine. So we're really encouraging persons to take the opportunity before the virus comes to you, be prepared because that's what the vaccine allows you to do. So we're really encouraging persons to do that. Um, so besides that, of course, we do have a lot of things going on in the organization. Um, 2023, we want to do far more than we, we would have done last year in terms of reaching persons and going out to the communities and doing things, not just with persons with diabetes, but also with children in schools. Um, we are about to launch our primary school diabetes quiz, which we're hoping to be regional. We're going to be partnering with the other diabetes associations across the Caribbean, um, doing similar projects in those countries, and then, of course, having a grand final in Trinidad and Tobago. So that's a project we're hoping to get off the ground very, very soon, together with our sixth form internship program, where we will be um, working with that, that age group uh, teaching them about diabetes, teaching about advocacy and getting them into diabetes, we're getting them into working with persons with diabetes. So we're very much excited for those programs as we expand them from last year, because we know that when persons are living with diabetes have those influences in their home. So we educate children, we actually have a much greater effect on those persons. And then we have lots of other events coming up um, on Jazz Festival that's coming up soon. We recently launched at the association renal nutritional counseling. We always had nutritional counseling, but we know that many, many persons living with diabetes, many, many persons who may not have diabetes also have renal issues. And what's very important when you do have renal issues, when you do have kidney problems, is your diet. So you need to, of the nutrients you should consume and can consume safely 
So it's very, very important to speak with a nutritionist if you do have any kidney or renal issues. So we have this new free service available for persons at the association. All right, Dr. Andrew Jadu, basis here with you. And of course, we're talking in diabetes and you today. I know you probably uh, went over it before, but a lot of people well, we're having these COVID conversations and um, mm-hmm. indeed, you know, with people with diabetes, uh, you know, and taking the, of course, the, the vaccines and stuff, a lot of people are concerned, you know. So if you give them, of course, some a reassurance about, you know, if you're diabetic and taking the vaccine, when should it be taken? How should it be taken? You know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So definitely, we've been in this more than three years now. Uh Um, We've had vaccines for more than a a year and a half, two years, going on to when persons persons have. And at the very start, at the association, we actually got some of the first batches of vaccines. And we work with the supermarket association. And at that time, we vaccinated over 20,000 persons. Um, Many persons at that point in time were skeptical, rightly so, because, of course, we didn't know much about the disease we didn't know much about the vaccines but now we have a lot more information now years have passed since persons have taken vaccines and of course this is what vaccines do vaccines do protect you and what's important to know is that some persons think that you know if you take the vaccine it means that you're not going to get sick that's not what a vaccine does that's not what any vaccine does a vaccine prevents you from getting well actually all we'll say is a vaccine prepares you to better deal with a virus, to better deal with any virus, depending on what the vaccine is, if you do get it. So it prepares you, meaning that the vaccine prepares your body in such a way that if it is that you get the virus, sometimes you may not even realize you got the virus. It doesn't prevent you from getting the virus, or it does it prevent you from getting very sick. Um, and in some instances, it means that you wouldn't even realize that the virus did come into your system. For some persons, however, they may still get a little bit sick. But what we have been seeing is, and this is what the Ministry of Health has been saying, is that persons who have had the vaccines, there's like about a 90% greater chance if you have the vaccine that you wouldn't succumb to the disease, meaning you wouldn't die. And also, if it is that you do have the vaccine as well, there's a 90% chance that they wouldn't end up in hospital. And even if they do end up in hospital, because, of course, vaccines work with your immune system. So if your immune system is compromised, then it may not work as well as someone who, you know, may be healthier. But it does help. It does help quite a lot. And for those persons who do take the vaccine, then you're in a much better position. And so the facts are there. No longer can persons debate and say, you know, vaccines aren't working or they shouldn't be taking the vaccines. We really need to get that point across and really tell persons, you know what, it's better to be safe than sorry. A vaccine is like a seatbelt, you know. Nobody puts on a seatbelt in the morning when you go into a car, think you're going to get into an accident. But if you do get into an accident, that's what saves your life. And that's the same thing with a vaccine. So really get the vaccine if you haven't done so as yet. Half of our population haven't even taken the first shot. So I'm hoping that, you know, we really get persons there getting the vaccine. All right, definitely. Thank you, dear doctor, for that explanation. So let's get back into diabetes right now. Why is it important to have tests done, you know, for your diabetes? And what are some of the categories of tests available? Mm-hmm. So so that's the topic we're going to be discussing today because mm-hmm. many persons have been... Well, 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 well testing is, is, is a really important part of diabetes care. Um, and, and, and it's important to test because we need to know First of all, we need to be able to diagnose if there's a condition, but also we need to be able to monitor and manage the disease. So it's important for persons to have regular testing 
Um, whether you're living with diabetes or not, whether you've been diagnosed or not, it's important to have regular testing. And we'll talk about that when we mean regular. What, we, what, do, we, what do we mean by regular when it comes to, to various groups of persons? But it is important to get those tests because those tests are going to tell you if you're at risk. Those tests are going to tell you if your blood sugars are out of control, what you should do, or, or rather put you on a track to, to tell you how you should be able to, to, to manage your condition or manage your diabetes. So testing is very important. Testing is is, is, is um, and at a different levels, and that's what we're going to talk about in terms of the categories. Um, when we talk about testing, we, we really mean, the, well, 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 there's at least three main reasons you're going to do a test, a medical test that is. One is for diagnosis, and diagnosis simply means um, confirmation of a disease, confirmation that you do have a disease. Another type of test is a screening test. And screening is where you may do a test across a population. So if you do a test, you go um, a randomly do a test, you see somebody at a health center, you see somebody in a mall doing a blood sugar test or blood pressure test. And those are screening tests that we do, just screening persons to see if they show markers or they show signs that they may have a disease. So those screening tests don't diagnose. We can't diagnose you with a random blood sugar test. We can't diagnose you with, with, with hypertension with, our, with, with, our, with, 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 a, with a single blood pressure test. After you do have the screening test, then you have the diagnostic test. And then if you are diagnosed with a, with a condition, then you have to consistently test to monitor your disease, to monitor your condition. And monitoring, so that's the third category of tests. Monitoring is very important to know how your, your, your disease plan is working, to know how your, your medications are working, to know how your, your lifestyle modifications are working and how you should be able to, to make changes if your, your, your readings aren't going up or down. So those are the three categories of tests. Although um, they may be similar uh, in that uh, HbA1c test can be used for screening. It can also be used for diagnosis, and it can also be used for monitoring. So that's a very important test for diabetes, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. All right, great. All right, so once again, our numbers to call, folks, with any of your questions, uh, 627-3223-625-2257. And, of course, you could feel free to send a WhatsApp at 306 65. Of course, we're speaking diabetes and you with the president of the Diabetes Association, Andrew Danu. All right, we continue with uh, talking about uh, your, your blood sugar. What's the difference between uh, fastened and random uh, blood sugar? Right. So this is the most common test that persons would do. Of course, uh, a, a blood sugar test, um, typically using a, what we call a glucometer um, it's some some physicians call it a diascan because that was a brand that was used a long time and and, and the term has just been, been been passed down through generations of of, of, of clinicians. But um, a diascan or a glucometer or a blood sugar test, a random blood sugar test, it, it it's a test that we do, and 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 it's done in hospital, it's done in a clinical setting, and it's also done at home. So you, you, you get that glucometer and you, you, you stick your finger and you take a drop of blood and that tells the concentration of glucose in your blood, how much sugar there is in your blood. So 
a lot of times persons think it, it, it may be a different type of test you do. You may have fasted or random test. And, and it just simply means that it's the same test that you're doing. It's just that the, 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 the normal ranges will be different. Because a fasted test, when you're told to fast, generally it means that you haven't had anything to eat or drink except water um, within the last eight hours. So when you're told to fast to do a blood test, you usually don't eat anything or drink anything except the water um, for the last eight hours. And that means that, of course, your blood sugar should be lower. So generally, when you do take a fasted test, the acceptable normal is usually between 80 to 125. 126 and over is considered elevated during a fasted test. But of course, the, the midpoint, which is around 100, is, is really the best target for you. Um, so between 80, so below 80 is too low, above 125 is too high if it's fasted, but at 100, the midpoint is really where, where your target should be. If it's a random test, a random test simply means it's a non-fasted test, so you're really not sure if the person did eat or not. So generally, if you go out on the field and you'll see a lot of organizations, including our organization, you may do random blood sugar testing when we have outreaches, and persons may come and approach us and get a test done. So when you do that random blood sugar test, it's random because we don't know how long will you have eaten. And therefore, we need to use a higher threshold. We can't just say it can't be above 125 because if you had something to eat, it would have been elevated. It's naturally elevated. Anybody living without diabetes, once you eat something, the, the, the food is going to go into your blood, the sugar is going to go into your blood and raise your blood sugar slightly. So for random blood sugars, we, we, we accept under 180 milligram per deciliter. So if it's under 180, if it's random, you, 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 you want it under 180. Over 180 is elevated. But one point to note is that usually when you're taking a, a blood sugar test, you shouldn't take it um, within an hour and even better, within two hours after you eat a meal. Because generally within an hour after you eat a meal, the blood sugar does spike. Um, it does spike to the extent that it may go above 180, but that, that doesn't necessarily mean you have diabetes. So it's advisable to take it after an hour. After you eat a meal, take a blood sugar test after an hour. Um, so that's a that's the difference between random and fasted. It, it usually gives you gives us more information when you take a, a, a fasted blood sugar test, but also some physicians may ask you to take a random blood sugar test or post what's called a post-perandial, post means after, perandial means feeding. So after you eat, take a test, and then that gives a lot of information that your doctor could, could, um, could interpret. So what we advise is when persons are measuring their blood sugars, especially when you're trying to monitor if the changes that you're making in your medication or your diet are working, you should take both a fasted test in the morning and a postprandial test, a test after you eat. Record those values, take it to your doctor, and then the doctor will be able to interpret what's going on with you. All right, great. And of course, people, we advise people that last time, which was close to Christmas, a great gift is your own test, and you could, you could test yourselves regularly at home. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and, and the association, we do have blood sugar kits available. Mm. Um, we do have a, a little bit of a waiting list, but you should be able to get one within a month when you do call us, um, we have strips, and these strips are actually $99. Uh, 
And if you purchase two boxes of strips, you get a free testing kit. Um, so if you would like a, a blood sugar kit, if you do not have a blood sugar kit, you could call us at the association, send us a message on Facebook or Instagram or WhatsApp, and you could be able to, we'll, we'll put it on that list to get that blood sugar kit. Mm-hmm. And then of course, you'll be able to get those strips from us. Nice, great. Um, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, speaking about testing your blood sugar, well, at home, of course, reliable. But the testing, the same home head testing, is that reliable? It's very, reliable. very, very reliable. So, I mean, the technology has expanded and progressed leaps and bounds over the last couple of decades. Eh? Um, very early on, when these glucometers were introduced, they weren't as sensitive, they weren't as accurate, but now they are very one thing we must note, however, is there are so many brands of glucometers on the market. You're going to see so many of them in the pharmacies. You'll see so, so many of them when you go out there. You may see people advertising on Facebook to buy it, and it may look cheap. But not every time something is cheap is it good. And I want persons to be aware of this. And many times you may purchase a glucometer, and it's just a brand, and you may see this very nice advertisement. You, you know, you they get the machine free and they get a lot of extra things with it and it's a brand that you've never heard about. And a lot of times persons get stuck with the machine because the distributor stops bringing it down. So you have no strips for it. And in many other cases, the glucometers aren't as accurate, meaning that you take a blood sugar test and it's either giving you a value that's too high or too low, which could actually be very, very dangerous for you. Because if it's too low, if it's too high when your blood sugars are actually low, then having very low blood sugars in the short term is extremely dangerous. So it's very important to use reputable sources or rather reputable brands of machines. The brand that we carry, and there are a few other brands that usually have been shown to be more accurate. So to the brands that, that CDAP, that's on CDAP, there are two brands that, that, that's on CDAP currently. Those are the ones that are recommended. Um, and then there are a few others as well. So if you do want to find out more information about that, then you can give us a call at the association as well to find out um, which which type of blood sugar machine, which brand of blood sugar machine um, we recommend for you. All right. Okay. Um, and difference between is there a difference between the testing? Well, we, our next question is about testing the urine. But testing the urine and testing the blood, um, anyone that you could probably miss something, which one would be more accurate? Well, definitely testing the blood is more accurate. Mm. Testing blood sugars are more accurate because it tells you, because of course we want to know what's the level of sugar in the blood. Testing the urine to check for sugars, that's that's more of an indirect measurement because there are many, many factors that would cause sugar to to, to either be or not be in urine. Um, Just for instance, how well your kidneys are working or um, how much water you consume, or how much other um, interfering factors there may be in the urine. So it's not advisable. And I mean, urine testing was actually what we used to use a very long time ago, so 50, 60, 70 years ago. Um, Actually, do you know how... how, um, we used to diagnose, or well, I mean, none of us were around that point in time, but uh-huh. hundreds of years ago. Uh-huh. Do you know how diabetes was diagnosed? Uh, no, tell me. So, actually, the, the, what, what, what used to happen is that um, if you have, um, well, where they were these community um, washrooms, um, 
when you see ants going to 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 to, to the washroom mm-hmm. or ants going where oh, the sorry. urine is, yeah, um, they realize you know it must have, it must be something sweet. And oh, actually, okay. um, the doctors of old hundreds of years ago used to actually taste the urine. Hmm. Wow! So they used to taste the urine and see if tasting sweet, and then of course you know something is wrong there. Mm-hmm. Um, then <laughs> of course we we do have we, we did have chemical tests, which are one of the tests is like. Called a Benedict's test, and it's a, a blue solution that's added on a boily urine, and it turns red if there's high sugar. And that's a test I think persons who may, may have been in their, their 80s, 90s today, who may, may have been diagnosed a long time ago, those are the tests that would have been done then. And then we have the urine dipsticks, which are the, the sticks you test urine, which we still have. And there is some utility in that because you get, besides sugar, you do get proteins, you do get other markers in that, which is important. But Testing a sugar with urine strips are not very accurate, not very reliable, um, but it does give you some information that's valuable. So what we would say is stick to the blood, the, the blood test, the, the finger stick test, um, using that in the comments up. Okay, great, great, great. All right, so urine test. Um, of course, let's talk about the HbA1c. What is this test, and how can I get one? And what uh, value should they be getting it in? Yeah. So so this is, and, and we mentioned it at the top of the, the program, mm-hmm. this is really the, the gold standard test for diabetes. So when we say you, you want to, to, to screen for diabetes, and of course, before we, we couldn't really use A1C for screening because it was so expensive, but now it has become cheaper. Now it, it, it's more ubiquitous because we have what's called point of care testing. Point of care is very important because what do we mean by point of care? It's typically in, in, in health centers um, and for many, many persons, many, many health centers, well, I mean, almost all health centers today um, in, in Trinidad and Tobago, if you want a blood test, you go to the doctor, the doctor sends you to the phlebotomist, you take a sample, it's sent to the lab, and then you wait a few weeks, a couple of months for the results. Um, we know that that really doesn't work well because there may be some markers that will change by the time you get back the results and there may be things that you need to urgently address and you really can't wait a few months for the results so point of care testing simply means you know you're taking samples when the patient actually comes in and you get the results within a few minutes so that's that's really how modern medicine is moving towards what it's moving towards the ministry of health is actually going to be producing hb1c renal profile um lipid profile machines that are point of care very very soon um and and and, and they'll be used in health centers and that's what, what direction we, we we use at the association so we do point of care hba1c testing which is just as accurate as what you will do in a lab um and what happens is that you, you get that blood you get that single drop of blood and we could be able to tell what your a1c is so A1C, HbA1C, again, we really want everyone living in Trinidad and Tobago to know what HbA1C is. We want everybody living with diabetes to get an HbA1C test at least once a year. And everybody who is over the age of 30, everyone who is at risk for diabetes, to get an A1C test as well um, to be able to, to check to see if your blood sugars are becoming elevated so you could, we could have interventions. Mm-hmm. So HbA1c basically tells us the average, or rather the, the average of your, your previous three months blood sugar. 
So, you know, base, I don't know if you, you maybe have a, a parent or grandparent that goes to a, a, a clinic who may be diabetic or who may have high blood pressure. And we all know that, you know, during, especially right after Christmas, you might be doing these things that you're not supposed to do, um, eating what you're not supposed to eat and, and too much of it. And we know when you're, when you're going to see the doctor, you really don't want to get buffed up by the doctor. You don't want to get a shot of insulin if you're not on insulin. You don't want to get, you don't want to feel bad um, because, you know, you're told that you're not controlling the disease well. So the day or two before, you may eat very well. You may exercise a little bit to go to the health center to, to not get buffed up for not um, taking care of yourself as you should. And, I mean, if you take a random blood sugar test and you eat well the day before, then the blood sugar test may not be as high. But that test actually, I mean, that, that you're kind of trying to fool the doctor like that. The HbA1c test is a test you really cannot fool the doctor with because this test tells you what your average blood sugars were for the last three months. So only if you've been living well, only if you've been eating well and doing things that you should do for the last three months would your HbA1c value be within a good range. So it's very important for us to do this test for every single person living with diabetes. And I mentioned it before many, many times in the program. And I want to keep mentioning it because, again, if it's one take home for persons to, to, to get done or things that that, that, that personal diabetes should do in, 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 in this year is get the A1C test regularly. Because, again, when we say regularly and we talk about the ranges, we mean, and it's measured in percentages. So, so for persons who are not living with diabetes, you want a value below 5.7%. Between 5.7% and 6.5% indicates pre-diabetes or could, could, could indicate pre-diabetes. And over 6.5% could indicate diabetes. So it's very important to, to know what, what range you are at. And even if you are diagnosed with diabetes, then having that HbA1c test tells you if you're doing the right things and what direction you should move in. So for example, persons with very high HbA1c is over 9%. Those are the persons at very high risk for kidney disease and amputations and retinopathy, which could lead to go blind, many other conditions that, 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 that are associated with diabetes. So if you do have an HbA1c above nine, then you really need to make drastic interventions to change that, that HbA1c. And if you know you, you do, um, get on medication and, and, and make those changes in your life. And then three months later, you take another test and it's an eight, then you know whatever you're doing is working for you and is helping you. So it's very important to get an HbA1c test. All right, beautiful. A couple of questions here. And besides frequenting, uh, urinating frequently, what are some of the other symptoms that one may have to consider that they may have diabetes? Sure. So there are actually four main symptoms of diabetes. And I like to explain it like this because the four main symptoms are actually related to each other. So the first symptom is actually um, frequent thirst. And you do have, or, or rather, increased thirst. So increased thirst because you tend to have higher blood sugars when you do have diabetes. And the body wants to kind of balance the amount of sugars and the amount of water in the blood. In, in, in the blood. So if there's more sugars, 
then you're going to feel thirsty. Just like if you eat something sweet or if you eat something salty, you're going to feel thirsty because your body actually wants to regulate the water concentration in your blood. So you feel thirsty, so you drink more water. So that's the first symptom that you may have diabetes, excess thirst. Well, of course, unexplained excess thirst. So it's not that you didn't drink water for a while or you, you, you run for a while or you work for a while and you're thirsty. No, it's excess thirst over a period of time. Because, of course, you're drinking more water, that water needs to go somewhere. And that's why you're going to have excess urination. So excess urination follows a thirst because, of course, that excess water you drink has to be has to come out of your body, so you urinate more. When you're urinating more, the next symptom of diabetes is actually um, sun weight loss. And that happens because when you're urinating more, you're actually getting rid of a lot of sugars that would have been in your blood. So the sugars that are in your blood that are no longer going into your cells to give you energy, lots of that sugar is now being lost in your urine. And as the sugars are lost in the urine, those sugars from your food they would normally have used for energy are no longer going towards towards your body, giving you energy. So it's kind of starving your body in a way because with diabetes, it, it actually means that you're, you're not absorbing the sugars as well as you, you should. So your body actually starts to feed off a lot of fat that you have stored. So you lose weight very quickly. And also when you urinate and you lose those sugars, you tend to feel very tired because sugars are what give you energy, the primary source of energy. So those are really the four main symptoms of diabetes. Excess cyst, excess urination, frequent urination, um, sudden weight loss, and feeling very tired. Of course, there are other minor symptoms, but those are the four main ones um, and the reasons why you have them. Of course, well, like when you have a, like a cut, you know, a cut or a bruise and it does not heal quickly, that is like a like a last minute stage is that what what stage would you say that is in it's a it's a definite indicator it's mm-hmm. a definite indicator that you may have diabetes and it may be an indicator that you may have diabetes for mm-hmm. some, quite some time mm-hmm. um for healing wounds or, or, or wounds that don't heal well are an indicator that your, your your immune system may not be working well and also what happens and the reason why wounds may not heal as well is because generally with personal diabetes again have a higher concentration of, of sugars in the blood. Um, those higher sugars actually lead to increased bacterial growth in, in, in wounds. And that's why you tend to have wounds that become infected, um, wounds that don't heal as well when you do have higher blood sugars. So that doesn't mean, of course, if you have diabetes, you're going to always have that symptom. It just means if you have diabetes and your blood sugars are uncontrolled, meaning you have high HbA1c, you're going to have those symptoms. It's very important, again, to con- that's why it's so important to control your blood sugars. Beautiful. Testing. And watch what you eat as well, too. Some people may say eating healthy, uh, you know, is very expensive, but it is even more expensive taking care of yourself when you're sick. It is. Eh? It, it, it really is. It, it, it is expensive to eat healthy mm-hmm. when you buy health, when, when you try to buy the food, meaning that if you, if you if, of course, if you're trying to get a fast. So, 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 so really, if you could think about it, there are three things or three elements that, that go into food that are pleasurable. So, or the elements of pleasure for food, you could think of um, how healthy the food is how expensive the food is and how tasty the food is. And generally, um, if you if you draw if you draw a kind of, uh, I don't know if you uh, persons out there, I mean, 
have a hit of a Venn diagram, but if it, if it draw some circles to kind of um, show relationships, you, you could see that it's very easy for, for if, if food is healthy, then it could either be very expensive or it, it, it mightn't taste as well, or it mightn't um, be as convenient for you. So, so, so the take home message is that generally, if it is that you want to eat healthy, if you if you want fast food, you may have to sacrifice um, price, as in you may have to pay pay more. But if you if it is that you cook the food for yourself, um, healthy foods, purchasing foods, and of course now we do have a phenomena when you have fresh fruits and vegetables have risen in price because of recent flooding, and that's a, that's something that we really need interventions in. And I mean we've been hearing persons talking about it. Their, 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 their provisions and their their uh, vegetables that have double, tripled, quadrupled in price. But there are still other alternatives that um, even frozen vegetables are a good alternative to fresh vegetables if it is. And sometimes these frozen vegetables are cheaper. So so it, it, it's a good option to look into those things. And that's why we're consulting with nutritionists are very important or is very important. Mm. When, when you, if you're a diabetic, I know you have to watch your sugar intake, but what about salt and your blood pressure as well? Is Are there any... You know, reasons you should watch that as well. I mean, you should always no, watch it, but look at your blood pressure. But in terms of somebody yeah. who is diabetic. Definitely. And we went through some of these things last week in, in terms of some of the other parameters that you need to look at. So measuring how much fat and, and cholesterol that you have, how much, how much of that you intake is very important. But also um, monitoring how much salt you consume because consuming too much salt puts you at risk for hypertension. It puts you at risk for increased blood pressures. So more salt, just like, just like, and the reason salt get, puts you at risk for hypertension, just like if you have more sugars in your blood, when you have more salt in your blood, you feel thirsty, yes? Mm, and, yes? and feeling thirsty means that you're drinking more water, you have more water in your blood. Having more water in your blood, just like if you have more water in a pipe, the pipe is going to have more pressure on the walls of the pipe. And in the same way, having more salt means you're going to ultimately have more water in the blood, meaning that, meaning that the blood pressure, the vo blood volume is increased and the blood pressure therefore increases. So that's why your blood pressure increases when you consume more sodium specifically. So regulating how much sodium you consume, reducing how much salt you consume is very, very important as well. Um, and it all goes hand in hand, diabetes, hypertension, obesity, um, all goes hand in hand. Great. All right, let's get back to some of our questions here. I know a pregnant person usually does a test at a health center, but where they have uh, the blood drawn for a few times, what is this test about? Mm -hmm. so, so this is another... It's a, it's a modification to a blood sugar test, and there are different uh, uh, there are different types of tests. This is a, actually a diagnostic test. It's 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 usually the gold standard di diagnostic test, but but actually we're moving away from it now because it's very invasive, meaning that you actually need to get five blood samples, sometimes three blood samples, sometimes even more blood samples. Um, so you know your it's it's, it's called an oral glucose tolerance test. Um, so generally what's going to happen is that you're going to be fasted. You're not going to have anything to eat or drink for a while. And then, um, and then you, you, um, 
you're given what well, 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 a blood sugar test is taken to get a fasted sample. Then you're given something sweet to drink. Well, generally it's glucose. So it's 75 grams of glucose. And then every half an hour you take a, a blood sample is taken from you. With this, the physician plots a graph and you can actually see when your blood sugar starts to rise. And from that could, could diagnose pre-diabetes or gestational diabetes in the case of pregnant women. So it gives you a lot of information and some persons could opt to do it, but it, again, doing HbA1c tests together with random or fasting blood sugar tests actually are quicker and may, may be more efficient, more effective at doing it. Um, however, it's still very, very useful for pregnant women. So, so it's a test that many women may have experienced before, and of course, some other persons who may have been diagnosed with diabetes. This is, used to be the gold standard diagnostic test, but not, not really anymore. All right. And what about alternative testing like patches, or probes, and pills? Mm -hmm. And this is this is actually something that I wanted the association to focus a lot on this year. Now I've been seeing a lot of these advertisements, and I'm sure you have been as well on social media and even on radio and on TV for persons who have or, or claim that they could diagnose you with or diagnose diagnose any disease and then of course treat the diseases right after because of course they have the they have the, the magic pill that will be able to treat the diseases it's very important to be cautious of these things and unfortunately for many persons when you see something on tv that kind of gives it credibility but if you hear about it on radio it gives it credibility as well and we have to be very very mindful of this um and, and, and I, I am going to be speaking to the minister about it, and, and I really want us to, to make some interventions here because many persons are being fooled by some of these things that really have no basis in science. So, and, and I think I really want to focus on an entire show on that one day, and I want people to call in and tell us about some of the things that they may have heard about. And maybe if you, you've heard of any of these things before, you could give us a call and we could probably comment on it, but there are patches that people think that, that could control their diabetes and test for diabetes. I've heard of a, a probe that someone touches you with. I've heard of a, somebody putting on headphones on. I've heard of um, taking a drop of blood and putting it on a microscope and, and being able to diagnose any disease by just looking at how the, how the blood cells aggregate. There are many, many pseudo-scientific and non-scientific methods of, of uh, that have been fooling people for a very long time. We really need to, you can't get away with something like that in the United States or any developed country. You really can't because you'll get sued. Um, and you probably may get criminally prosecuted because you actually could lead to, that could actually lead to the misdiagnosis, could lead to, 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 to harm and even death for some persons. So it's very, um, it's very important for us to, to, to make these interventions now. So what I would advise until we really talk about this in detail, if you do see something on television, if you do some, something or see something on the, on the papers, on Facebook, advertising to cure, advertising to, to diagnose diabetes, then please give us a call at the association. 
All right. I have a question here. My doctor advised me to take not only the fasting blood sugar test, but the two-hour postprandial sugar test as well. Both yeah. of these will be used in the prognosis rediabetes. Well, correct, correct. Know. And it's very important, again, especially when, you're, when, you're, when you have a new um, medication regime, if you're on insulin or if you're, you're on, on tablets or if you're, you're modifying your diet or have a new exercise regime, to take those two tests, both fasted and both to our postprandial to see what the effects of those tests are. It is very important, again, to not just take the test, but also log it. So having a log book, having a little copy book, a little notebook, just to write on the date, the time that you did the test and what the values were. You test your blood pressure, test your blood sugar, um, even if you have your pulse, if you have your any any little test you have, yeah, you can do at home. Record all of those things. And when you go to see the doctor, walk with that book with you. That actually gives the doctor far more information that you could than than can be obtained by tests that you could do at the health center. So if you do those those tests at home and you will log it, you carry it to the doctor. Again, that's where you're, you're going to be able to to get more information or give the doctor a lot more information. All right, folks. Okay, seven minutes away from one o'clock. Once again, you're listening to Diabetes and You on Freedom 106.5 with Andrew Danu, right, the president of the Diabetes Association of Trinidad and Tobago. Now, we have a question on our trending news talking about the obesity in men. Why obesity is more dangerous for men? Okay, so so again, um, we've been, we've, we've always liked to, to highlight <clears throat> new studies that, that, that have come out. Um, and this is one that has come out from New York University and published um, just last week, actually. And it says that, that, that they, they are not just social, but also biological reasons why, why you may have sex, differ sex differences in obesity-related diseases. So <clears throat> um, one thing that we've always known is that men tend to be more at risk for, well, well, a higher risk for death at an early age. And in the Caribbean in particular, it's because men seem to only seek medical help when, it's, when, when diseases have progressed to the extent that um, medical interventions don't do too much for you. Um, women, on the other hand, once, you, once a woman gets a pain, it's it, it just a cultural norm that, you know, they seek out help. And I mean, it's, just, it's not for everyone. It's, it's, this is just a generalization that we could make because of the data that we've seen. If you go to any health center, you see more women than men. And it's a generalization that we know we can make. Um, but there are also physical or biological differences. So this is one study that actually shows that, that uh, men actually um, Tend to, tend to store fat and actually build um, actually build build build, build um, blood vessels in fatty tissue more easily and tend to store fat more easily meaning that you have a, a greater effect or a greater a greater chance of, of, of developing obesity in men than in women so and of course having or being obese then leads to a lot of the conditions that we see. Um, related to diabetes, hypertension, cardiovascular diseases. So, so we're seeing now it's not just a 
um, a physical effect, rather not just a not, not just a social effect as we we've always known in the Caribbean, but also a physical effect as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right, Doc. We have just about about four more minutes, and of course, we also see now a rise in obesity in children as well. Children in diabetes, and a lot of children. Uh, have you been noticing a lot of children developing diabetes at a younger age because of you know the, the Def- habits? Definitely, definitely, and type two diabetes as well because. Mm. Uh, and this is type 2 diabetes is really what we used to call on adult onset diabetes. No longer is it just being seen in adults. Hmm. Children. Um, we have a lot of children because, of course, the obesity rates, rates have been <clears throat> increasing substantially. Yeah. Um, we, now we may have one in two children who may be either overweight or obese in primary schools. Mm-hmm. And this is data that was out of 2017, 2018. Now maybe even higher. Um, we have a camp that we do actually every year called the Child Lifestyle Camp, where we work with children who are overweight or obese, helping them to prevent the development of diabetes um, through interventions. And we we are going to be expanding that 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 service this year as well. So definitely, um, we have been seeing that trend, and we, we we know that it's something very worrying because overweight children, obese children become overweight or obese adults most often if there's no intervention. And we don't want um, these children passing away before they, 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 their parents because of, of, of diabetes, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it's really mm-hmm. interventions we need to, a lot of interventions we need to work on. Yes, people, let your children eat more healthy. Drink lots of water, 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 water. No? Instead of this Definitely. sweet, sweet drinks. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. What about, I mean, sometimes, you know, you may reach the point of having to cut off a limb. Does that really prevent the spread of diabetes? Prevent the spread of diabetes? Well, well, I would say, well if it is that you are at a point where you have an infection mm-hmm. and the infection threatens the infection, meaning the bacteria in the infection, whatever is foreign, that infection threatens to go into your bloodstream then amputation of the limb may be necessary to save your life because cutting off that infected tissue because the tissue really isn't going to heal is going to prevent sepsis of the body and of course that simply means that it is life-saving so for many persons amputation may be the best option but we don't want it to get to the amputation that's why it's so important to check when you do have problems in the feet when you do have ulcers in the foot or if you do have any issue any pain in the foot it's important to go to the doctor and check and if you do have a cut if you do have an ulcer if you do have some issue with the foot or the toenails speak to your podiatrist call us at the association and we'll be able to direct you to a podiatrist to check the foot because when you do have early interventions that's when you're going to be able to prevent that's when you're going to be able to prevent someone from getting an amputation so it's very important to have that early screening so that you know you reduce your risk of amputation Okay, thank you very much. All right, Doc, so it's now uh, 1 o'clock. Um, anything you want to say before? Wait, we have a call here. Hello, good afternoon. Welcome to Diabetes and You. It's a question. Good, good, good afternoon, Dr. Anne Bees. Um, I have a, I have a, um, a report here for a, a complete blood test, and they're saying on the, the reference side, your sugar is supposed to be between, your HbA1c is supposed to be between 45 and 6.3. That is one question. Another one is that um, I drink, I don't drink, sometimes I have to force myself to drink water. 
But when I do, I still get up about three times in the night to urinate. Um, and another one is, um, how accurate is your, your blood test done if it's taken by a doctor and then sent to the lab? Thank you. I'm, I'll, I'll be listening off for your comments. Okay, thank All you. Right, thanks for that. So the first is the range for HbA1c. So when you go to different labs, unfortunately, we don't have standardization of labs as we should in Trinidad and Tobago for HbA1c. So if you take a test in the north of Trinidad and you take a test in the south of Trinidad, the lab ranges may be different and also the results you get may be slightly different. So it's it, it's important to know that the correct ranges um, by the well published by the American Diabetes Association is between a healthy range is between 5.7 and 6.5. That's a healthy range. Um, 4.4 is a little bit too low. So 5, 6, 5.7 to 6.5 is, sorry, what am I saying? Below 5.7 is a healthy range. Um, so you want to have below 5.7. So 4.4 to 5.7 is a, a normal range. But again, having a range of that for A1C, depending on if you're di diabetic or not, it really matters which range is correct for you. So that's why it's important for your doctor to interpret the result, not just you. So again, under 5.7 is what we would say is a healthy range. If you're not diabetic, if you are diabetic, then under 6.5. And if you're on insulin, then under 7. So the ranges are different. I think the second test, the second question was about um, um, uh, she was asking about the tests at home if it was accurate, as if you do it in a lab. Yes, again, most of these tests using the equipment that we have today, using the equipment that we have available, have been tested robustly. And once you're using strips and once you're using supplies that are, and again, this is very important to use the machines that are have been proven to be accurate. So the machines that we use, the machines that we use in the hospitals, uh, have been proven to be accurate. And once you do have strips that, that are not expired, and once you've kept it cool and kept it clean, then they should be just as accurate as if you do a test in a lab. Of course, doing a test in a lab, you can have more confidence in that test, but they can't do a lab test every single day. So that's why you want to do that blood test at home. Yeah, I think there's a third question. I can't remember yeah. what the third question was right now. All right, maybe she could uh, let us in back on next week. But look out, of course, every Thursday between 1 to 2. Andrew Danu, thank you very much, President of the Diabetes Association. Anything you want to leave us with before you leave? So definitely, I just want to remind persons again, if you haven't as yet, to get your flu shot and your COVID-19 shot. Of course, you can't get both at the same. You cannot get both at the same time because you really want your immune system to work on the vaccine when you get it. So if you haven't got the COVID-19 shot as yet, you should get that as priority. Um, and then if you, you have gotten it, I think a few weeks after, a couple of months after, you get your flu shot. But get it at any of the malls in Trinidad and Tobago and, of course, at, at any health centre. All right. Thank you there very much. Andrew, and I'll see you next week. God's willing. Definitely. Bye-bye. Talk, Talk is streaming at freedom106.5.com.